Hello, boys and ghouls. And welcome to an episode of Jest and Foolery, where we pay tribute to those harlequins of horror, the jugglers of the jugular, killer, killer clowns. So join us as we get to know those maniacs in big shoes, those monsters with balloons, those laffy daffy deranged merrymakers who put the cool in coolrophobia. It's the subjects of episode 49. It's Clowns. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Ain't nothing good dead folks. I want to kill you. You ever talk to a corpse? Satan is our pal. It's boring. Throw the third switch! Look! The third switch! Give my creation! came to school for Halloween dressed as a clown, but just his face. He just made up his face, slicked back his hair, wore all black. And I was like, oh, you're kind of a clown. And he told me that the uh, girl who had recently dumped him was very afraid of clowns. So he was going to go and uh, stare at her through her homeroom window. It was all part of a larger plan. Jeez. But also kudos to him for creativity, I guess. (laughs) Which just left me with... People are afraid of clowns? Mm. All right. Hey, Kat. Hi, Marshall. What's your uh, spooky gab for this month? I have a couple of pieces of spooky gab. All right. Number one, I went to Forest Lawn Cemetery, Hollywood Hills. Okay. So not Glendale, where you and I went. The other one. And visited Walt Disney and Spencer Tracy, et cetera, et cetera. Went to the other one, which is a little bit less impressive and a little bit less to use your phrase, chock-a-block full of celebrities, but there certainly are quite a few. I visited with Alec, my husband. We went to see Betty Davis and Sandra D. She was there. Michael Clark Duncan, which was pretty sad. I'm sure it's not larger than average, but I picture him taking up like two plots. He was in a mausoleum. It looked pretty normal-sized. All right. But, yeah, big guy. Sure. And, um... I also, with Alec, we had a whole spooky day. We visited the brand spanking new Bearded Ladies Mystic Museum just over here on Magnolia. So you know about Bearded Lady Vintage? Yeah. Is it in the back or something? No, it's across the street. Oh, I saw that. I actually, Mm -hmm. I thought that was something temporary for filming. I thought someone was making a TV show. No, it's a new place. So you walk in and there's a lobby with t-shirts and bric-a-brac. And then in the back behind closed doors is their museum you have to pay admission for. What's what's admission? And six bucks. Okay. And you're going to love this. So I'm hoping this exhibit is still there so that you can go before it changes over. I think they might change over monthly. But when we went, it was an exhibit all about Ouija boards. And we walked into the lobby. We're looking around, and the guy up front said, so admission to the museum is $6. And right now we have a magician in the back who will do some tricks for you that's included in your admission. And I was like, um, two, please. 
And we went in the back, and there was one other woman there to receive tricks and see the exhibit. So we sat at a long table, and the guy did some magical tricks, and they were really fun. And then when we were done, we got to peruse the area, and there was all kinds of like mixed media. My favorite was a little taxidermy mouse, kind of like some kind of a sacrifice going on. So there was a little dead mouse presiding over a pentagram on the ground with like another dead mouse head in the center of it with like a Necronomicon next to him. He's doing a little ritual. I mean, you could, Sounds you could cute, buy that. Sounds cute, kind of terrifying. Cute. It was purely cute. Well, so the front is a store and the back is a museum? Yeah. So that exactly. was in the store portion? No, that was in the museum. That was part of, that was a piece of art. Ah. Yeah. And I do know for a fact, by the way, they make it very clear on their Instagram page. They get their animals responsibly. They make sure that any taxidermy they have for sale was sourced responsibly, which means the animals were already dead and that no animals were killed in order to make a funny little sculpture. They, right. they get them and they... And, you know, if you think about it that way, if, if, you know, the mouse already died, then how fun is it that he gets to live on for... A while uh, as a character. It's a dubious honor. Yeah. I think it's cute. So those are my two little pieces of visiting fun places. Spooky Gap. But my big one is I saw your friend and mine, Daniel Montgomery. Daniel got invited to a little sneak preview of a horror movie called Baskin. That is a Turkish horror film that did the festival circuit last year. And he was like, I don't know what this is going to be like. Let's just go. So you didn't watch the trailer that's online? No, I didn't. And when we were standing in line out front of CineFamily, the silent movie theater, Daniel said, have you watched the trailer? And I said, no, 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 I didn't. And he just looked at me like, hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Yeah. And, oh boy, oh boy. I'm glad I didn't watch the trailer. I did, and I was like, I'm good. Yeah. I think I got it. So what I want to say, and I'll keep it brief, about this movie is... It is extreme. It is boundary pushing. It's not just the gore. There's some content stuff that's uh, it's not necessarily gory, but that's really very just quite disturbing. What excites me about this movie, though, mm-hmm. is it is, from what I understand, a rare kind of gem of a Turkish horror movie. Most of their stuff's kind of schlocky and not very good, not very high production value. And this is a young director who is, I mean, this was a total personal passion project for him, believe it or not. As dark and disturbing and bloody and whatever as it is. Not saying it's perfect. What I am saying is that I think it's exciting that we're talking about a foreign horror movie that yeah, I, I can't. this country is getting some attention. He just signed with WME. I can't ever remember anybody rushing out, even on video, forget the theater, to see a Turkish horror film. Right. So I think because as horror fans, we see so much crap. You know, I, I know you and I have both waded through some pretty big clunkers in the interest of seeing lots of films to find great ones and talk about yeah. them. And got, got to kiss a lot of frogs. Yes. We're used to that. Yeah. And so I think it's exciting that someone's got something to say and they're from a different country and they're making waves in America, which is arguably, I guess, the hub of horror. I know there are a lot of great foreign filmmakers making incredible movies, but I think I'm going to recommend if you think you can do it, if you think you can watch it and you're listening to this, give it a shot. It's on VOD, so you can you can rent it. Um, Okay. And I will say it looks great. It's very, very, it, for me, was very effective in 
the dread. It's not really a jump scare type of movie. It's one of those that builds and builds and builds and is kind of relentless for the last like 30 minutes. And it had me wanting to get up out of my seat, but kind of wanting to stick it out. And mm-hmm. I couldn't I, sleep. I know you've and... recommended movies before where you're like, don't even see the trailer. Just watch it. Yeah. Sounds like a rather challenging film. Uh-huh. Would you recommend people see the trailer? I don't know. I don't know. Let's say this. You saw it for free. If you're going to plunk mm-hmm. down some uh, cold, hard cash. I would say I think you know in your heart of hearts if you are a person who seeks out extreme horror or if you are not. And if this is if extreme horror is your cup of tea, I think you will at least find something valuable in this if it's not your favorite film. And if that's not your cup of tea, don't even attempt it. It's not my cup of tea, but I sometimes try to push myself and I'm glad that I did, even though I didn't know I was going to have to push myself until I was in the middle of it. <laughs> all right. But be excited that we're all talking about a Turkish horror film. That's my, that's my two cents. That's yeah, a first. Um, Cat. Yeah. Over on the um, cozier side of horror, you might say. Uh-huh. Vincent Price. Oh, thank God. In addition to being a master of horror, he was an accomplished painter. He worked with Sears... To bring fine art into people's homes. You know, as long as they're selling replica paintings on a mass level, he stepped up and said, let me make sure they're good paintings. And you can find things on YouTube of him, like, breaking down, like, which painting and why and mm-hmm. why, why it might be nice for your home. He was also a gourmet. And likewise, believed there was no reason why everyone shouldn't enjoy uh, something from the, from the good life and enjoy good gourmet food. So he released uh, cookbooks and audio versions of cookbooks. Wow. One of which I looked up and went for about the easiest recipe I could find. It's actually more of a garnish for a mushroom dish. Oh. So I know you don't like mushrooms. Yeah. Thank you for remembering that. I'm not sure how you'll react to this, so any reaction will be an entertaining reaction. <laughs> okay. So um, hold on. I'm going to get it. Okay. I'm going to go all the way to the kitchen. Oh, great. All right, cat. That looks like a 50s recipe if I've ever seen one. Yeah, this came from his, I think, Austro-Hungarian recording. These are called Viennese eggs. How, what makes them different from deviled eggs? Um, well, it's very similar to uh-huh. deviled eggs. Because <laughs> uh, they look like deviled eggs. Well, with, with some ham around them. Well, that's my garnish. He said to garnish it with paprika. As you can see here. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's and very colorful. little diamonds of ham. Diamonds. So if you look, some of them are just kind of they, squares. I see diamonds. He didn't say what size diamonds. If any of these were on a ring, they'd be considered huge diamonds. But, yes. But as uh-huh. ham goes, they're just average diamonds. Mm, mm-hmm. But within it is um, finely chopped ham, as well as finely chopped gherkin. Ooh, I'm a fan of gherkin. Yep. Uh, That's what she said. Sorry. <laughs> it's not a slight delay, but I got there. So, let's, let's both have okay. one. Okay. Cheers. Pretty salty. Mm-hmm. One of the ingredients was just straight up salt. Beautiful presentation. Thank you. It is very salty, but tastes very good. And it looks like... You know, minus the the Last Supper plate that you have it on, which I just love. Or maybe that's not quite... No, it's Last Supper. It is. Also, Um, um, I made six. Well, so 12. Six eggs. Because that's what the recipe called for. Right. So now I have one for every disciple. Yes, you do. Well, not anymore. I just ate one. But 
this recipe, these eggs and the ham garnish, it looks like every food display I've seen in the 50s, the old magazines that I get, that just, like, have every manner of disgusting-looking, right. ugly... <laughs> I mean, these, by the way, this is, like, next level, way better than the, like, they're... I mean, this isn't, like, ham jello level, like, nasty, uh, you know, but do you know what I mean? These these recipes that were, like, try this at your next dinner party, and it's, like, an... Some it's really like, gross concoction. It's, like, bologna loaf with, like, raspberry jello garnish, and you're, like, why? And it looks just awful. I'm not saying this looks awful. I'm saying that this is a very... This is in the same manner, I think. <laughs> well, trying to generalize the 50s, you keep trying to backpedal so I don't get offended at, at my... Viennese eggs. I'm just saying, I am delightfully surprised and impressed, and I love that I just had a, a, a genuine Vincent, Vincent Price, Price recipe. Spookmaster Vincent Price. <laughs> I'm not afraid of clowns. Actually, I was hoping you were, so one of us would be. No, I mean, I think clowns are scary. I am not personally, uniquely, intensely afraid of clowns. I should say that. Let me take us back. Okay. We're going to talk a little clown history. Clowns, as pranksters, jesters, jokers, harlequins, and mythologized tricksters have been around for ages. Came across lots of examples, but they appear in most cultures. So we're not talking about white face paint that comes later, but if we're talking... Fools and jesters? Yes. Tricksters, mischievous characters, imps, impish things that are anarchic, if you will. They go against the status quo. Mm -hmm. They maybe poke fun of the establishment. Puck. Yes. Those have existed in across lots of cultures for a long, long time. Pygmy clowns made Egyptian pharaohs laugh in 2500 BC. There are examples from ancient imperial China. Hopi Native Americans had a tradition of clown-like characters who interrupted serious dance rituals with ludicrous antics. I'm reading from one of the many, many sources I found. Ancient Rome's clown was a stock fool called the Stupidus. <laughs> The court jesters of medieval Europe were a sanctioned way for people under the feudal thumb to laugh at the guys in charge. And well into the 18th and 19th centuries, the prevailing clown figure of Western Europe and Britain was the pantomime clown, who was a sort of bumbling buffoon. And now may I present for your entertainment the dancers Esmeralda, and I came across a couple of times, and so I went ahead and read the short story. Have you ever read Edgar Allan Poe's Hop Frog? 
No. It's pretty dark. It's about a clown, well, it's a court jester named Hop Frog. He's a dwarf, and they call him Hop Frog because he walks funny. It's kind of sad. And he was pulled out of his, like, native land to come be there and entertain the, the king. And there was also this woman, an equally tiny woman, who was also part of the entertainment. I think this may have made its way into the Corman Mask of the Red Death. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Th this is that. So... Hopfrog doesn't like to drink and makes him feel funny. The king forces him to drink, and Hopfrog's little lady friend says something to the king. He pushes her, she falls over. Hopfrog gets really upset and devises a plan. There's a masquerade ball. He tells the king, This will go over like gangbusters. You're gonna be the eight orangutans, and you're gonna look like animals, and we're gonna scare everybody. And the king's like, Ha ha! What a row! He chains the king and his men up. Tars him and gets them into the ballroom, locks it up, brings a hook down from the ceiling, hooks it to the chain, has them yanked up over the crowd, lights them on fire, and they all burn to death. And he and his little lady friend escape back to their homeland. That's kind of how it plays out in uh, Mask of the Red Death, except it's like one guy. He's like, isn't this fun? Sure is. Lights them on fire. Right. And so this is your classic, like, clown revenge tale. I'll get my revenge later. Right now I'll settle for cash. So, Grimaldi. How much do you know about Grimaldi? Not a lot. I understand he was a real game changer. Yes. He was like, what if I put on this hair? What if I put on this nose? He had a blue mohawk he put on. A blue mohawk. And white face paint and big red cheeks. And he did acrobatics and apparently was very talented at that. And he was... <laughs> but, but this mostly surprised me because I had just assumed that the modern clown was just this slow burn over the centuries. But it seems that... Well, yeah, it was. But then it reached this guy, and he was like, what if I do this? Honka, honka. Yeah, exactly. I did know the term Joey as slang for a clown. Yeah. I didn't realize it came from Joseph Grimaldi. Like That's how well-known he was. What the hell kind of clown are you? The crying on the inside kind, I guess. If we look back to Hop Frog and Jesters and those kinds of things... They were always dark in the sense that they kind of presented a response to society. They would turn things upside down. They were mischief makers. They were dark in that way. I mean, it was playful, but mischievous, right? So that was always an aspect of clowning. Okay. But when you come to Grimaldi, Grimaldi, as much as he entertained people, he had a really dark life. His real life was really sad. But he didn't shy away. The public was very aware of his life. He'd grown up with a tyrant of a stage father. He was prone to bouts of depression. His first wife died during childbirth. His son was an alcoholic clown who drank himself to death by the age of 31. And all of Grimaldi's physical bits, leaps and tumbles, physical gyrations, violent slapstick, all of which had made him famous, left him in constant pain and prematurely disabled. He would joke to the audience who knew all this horrible stuff about his life, I am Grimaldi but I make you laugh at night. Hmm. So he was kind of a Chris Farley of sorts, like really dark on the inside, but like, ha ha ha, I'm making fun of myself. <laughs> then you had Pierrot. In Paris, mm -hmm. that was the name of the clown, the character that this man played, Jean-Gaspard de Barreau. 
who had kind of similar makeup and was pretty much equally famous in Paris. He's the clown, he's the guy who killed a kid with his walking stick. Yeah, the kid was coming up and making fun of him. Yeah. You're like, hey, clown, what's up, clown? And he wrapped him on the head. He's like, take that. And the kid died. Killed him. So the theory is here, these two seminal clowns, these two seminal dark clowns, you've got one who was just this sad sack of a person but performed his heart out for the people despite all the dark things that were going on in his life, and then this other killer clown. Both kind of happening around the same time, which sort of created this image that never really quite went away in the public consciousness of something dark with happiness on the outside. So really, clowns as we knew them had been around for less than a generation, and we got dark clowns. Mm-hmm. Didn't take long. Well, I mean, they've always been impish and mischievous and all those True. things. Well, then we got the funny hyuk Around then, the clowns transitioned to the circus rather than kind of being independent players. And then it, we kind of jumped to the Depression and hobo clowns. That would be America's contribution. I could go on about clowns in that way as a reflection of what America was going through and how they really have been this sort of this conduit politically and culturally, going back to court jesters and a safe way to make fun of the ruling class, serving that purpose and then sort of being a hobo with a, what, what do you call bindle. those things? A bindle! They have a word. <laughs> mid-1960s, clowns were experiencing a heyday due to... Uh, well, Bozo. Bozo. Introducing Bozo, the world's most famous clown! Did you know that there was a 10-year waiting list to go see that show? You won't even be a kid by the time you're done. I know. That's how popular Bozo was. And so Bozo, Ronald McDonald, these were beloved characters, right? You can pinpoint this time in the 60s when clowns became a thing that were supposed to represent pure, unadulterated, childlike joy. But they were never, before that, supposed to be purely a child's thing, a child's entertainment. They were always associated with some kind of darkness, not just because of right. cl murdering clowns, but because they were subversive. I but now suddenly they're supposed to be, worker, worker, look at this balloon animal. I don't want to sound like a broken record here <laughs> per conversation we had before we, we recorded. But can I point back to the baby boomers again? Please, I love when you do that. Um, it's your thing. That's who were kids at the time. There were more kids then than we'd ever had in the country at once. So if they liked clowns, clowns it was. Yeah. And if clowns made them happy, then clowns are happy things. Yeah. What's the matter, kid? Don't you like clowns? Why? Don't we make you laugh? And then, Marshall, what happened in the 70s? Uh, John Wayne Gacy. Let's tell him what he's won. Now, I don't know much about John Wayne Gacy himself. Oh, boy. I do. Outside of what was presented in the 2003 film, Gacy. Mm. Have, you, have you seen it? I haven't. I've just read... Do you I've know just... who plays John Wayne Gacy? Mm -mm -mm. Actually, his name isn't even occurring to me right now. But you may know him from Pee-wee's Big Adventure as Francis. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. And the guy with one line in The Naked Gun... Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo! Yeah. yeah. I never wrote down his name. But I wrote down that he was Chubbs in Teen Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I know him from. He was really good, and it made it all the more disturbing that he was this sort of, like, 
character from movies I liked when I was a kid. Well, yeah, that's kind of what the real John Wayne Gacy did for clowns. But yes, he was a clown. He was Pogo the Clown for children's parties. Yeah. You can tie it in with sort of this larger plot of making himself a pillar of the community. Yeah. Through being a clown. He was trying to make inroads through local government because he was a local businessman. He was very, very charming. And, and I mean, even after he had been in trouble for messing around with little boys sexually, he was allowed around them again. Like, he just slipped through the cracks in a lot of ways and talked his way into a lot, which I think was what made it so scary is he was using this image of innocence. This, you know, he was yeah. a clown at kids' birthday parties to get and getting close to close to these yeah, kids. Yeah, so it, he wouldn't really clown for the money. He would clown as a service. Yeah. Which would just sort of elevate him in the community and keep him, for much longer than he should have been, rather above suspicion. Yeah, so he brings clowns back to a really dark place yeah. in America. But he wouldn't really put on the makeup and go, time to go murdering. No. Although, towards the end of the film, it, it seems that one of his tricks would be to like put handcuffs on himself mm -hmm. and then escape out of them. Yeah. And he'd be like, yeah, let me show you this magic trick. Hey, look, why don't you try? Yes. Oh, you're in handcuffs now. Time to murder you. Yeah, he did that. So in that sense, yes, but... He may have presented it as like a clown trick in the moment, yeah. but I don't think he went to parties and was like, hey, kids, handcuff me. <laughs> when I was telling people the topic of this episode, everybody said two things. Stephen King's It. Yes. And Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yes, that's correct. And even the lists of, like, best clowns in horror films or scariest clowns, there's really not that huge of a list. It may be this great fear that lots of people have, but what kept making different lists would be the doll from Poltergeist. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, yeah, scary, but yeah. also a doll. It's a doll. That should really be more in the scariest doll right. list. Right. I think it's there because it got a lot of people young and it's, it made a huge impact. Mm. And so they can't help but mention it, even though it wasn't like a character of a clown. The cover, that walked and the talked in. DVD cover of the remake of Poltergeist is just that clown doll. <laughs> well, that's how impactful clown imagery is for people. And other clowns were just the clown from. <laughs> like they wouldn't even get names. Right. And unfortunately, the clowns and killer clowns from outer space, some of them have names, but those were just like behind the scenes things. And then those names are now on the little action figures that you can buy now. But that merchandising didn't happen until it became a cult. Yeah, movie well, then, well yeah. after the fact. Yeah. So the list of clowns where you can actually name them and go, that clown is scary. Mm -hmm. Top of the list with an actual name is Pennywise. Pennywise the Dancing Clown. Pennywise the Dancing Clown, who he refers to himself as, probably the first time you hear him speak in the miniseries, Stephen King's It. Which I always say, I don't just say It, because I used to have to find it in a video store when I worked at a video store, and it was always under S. Under S. Well, that's how it's presented in the title card of the movie, isn't it? Doesn't it say Stephen King's It? Yes. I also believe there was already a movie called It, like an old sci-fi film. Makes sense. So this was Stephen King's it. And thank goodness, because otherwise it would be impossible to Google. 
<laughs> no kidding. I find it interesting that despite the fact that it, mm. in uh, both the book and the television movie, is an entity of evil that manifests itself into whatever you are most afraid of, has come to be represented by the clown. And there's cotton candy and rides and all sorts of surprises down here. And blue, too. All colors. Do they float? Oh, yes. They float, Josie. They float. And when you're down here with me, you float, too! It is not Pennywise. It is an ancient evil that can become whatever you're afraid of. And it does become whatever it's you're afraid of. Its default setting seems to be a clown. And what it uses... I'm not sure if that's true in the book necessarily, but it is true in the movie for good reason. Something I found interesting once I was taking notes on it, which came out in 1990. Mm -hmm. And so what, you what surprised me... for this podcast, yeah, huh? Yeah, totally. I've seen it so many times. Is the credit for Tim Curry, which... If you hadn't told me it was Tim Curry, I would have never guessed. Mm -hmm. Nah. 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 He's great, but his credit was, and this was the part that surprised me, special appearance by Tim Curry as Pennywise. Special appearance. Which leads me to believe if you were to use a stopwatch, maybe he really doesn't have that much screen time. Right. But in the different forms that he takes, and in just that his presence looms large, yeah. whenever he's not on screen... He's still on screen. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe uh, Tim Curry, as effective as he is and as good as he is, really isn't on screen that much. It says a lot about Tim Curry. <laughs> I'll kill you all. <laughs> I'll drive you crazy and I'll kill you all. I'm every nightmare you ever had. I am your worst dream come true. I'm everything you ever were afraid of. I now know that wasn't the makeup as described in the book. I don't know what the book describes, but I know they did makeup tests. And they went for what we now think of as the sort of evil clown with kind of pointed features. Whereas what they went with was just a more regular clown. And the, Although, the menace came through his, his performance, um, performance. And horrible teeth. Oh, yeah. Those teeth are only there in, like, one or two shots. Yeah, but, but it's, it's when, he, when he sort of flips the yeah. switch. Yeah. With the adults, and at a certain point with the kids, he uses a clown to bother them. Mm. Because they know what he is and what he's capable of. Right. But people, children, meeting him for the first time, it's, hey, I'm Pennywise. come over here. The dancing clown. Yeah. So he's using that clown in those instances to say, like, I'm a clown. I'm friendly. You see the bozo on the TV? I'm just like that. Yeah. A clown. You're saying when yeah. they're adults, he uses the clown thing to scare them. Yeah, because by then they've associated the clown with it. I think one of the scariest moments and most disturbing to me, even watching it now, is the moment in the library when they're adults, when he's like playing with his little noisemaker. Yeah. And there's the lady in the library, like a balloon bursts and sprays blood all over her face, and she doesn't even like notice because it. Because only one guy can see him, and only yeah. one guy can see the blood. That's and creepy. What I found interesting was they go back later, and the blood's still there. Yeah. And, and they can still see it. They can yeah. see it. It doesn't just disappear when Pennywise does. Is everything all right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Last chance, Tosha. Get out before it gets dark tonight. 
It's about seven kids during a, a spate of child murders who figure out that it's this ancient evil that more often than not, I suppose, presents itself as a clown and they go after it. Mm -hmm. They get it on its own turf and they learn enough about it to defeat it. And but, in part they go after it because they have a personal connection because one of the kids' little brothers was killed by yeah. it and they've and, all seen it. And for a part I couldn't figure out, they are being targeted by the clown. Now, I don't know if that's more explained in the book. Part of me thinks it's because he wants to eat them, but they're more delicious when they're scared. He says that once. Mm. You know, you taste better when you're scared. Mm -hmm. So does he prefer to eat insane children? So he's just picked these seven to drive insane? It's been a year or two. I did read the book fairly recently. I don't, I don't recall exactly. Okay, like why them? Right. Why him? Maybe, maybe they don't explain it. Okay. I thought somewhere in that vast tome... <laughs> Probably somewhere, but you know, it was 1,100 pages, so I don't remember. <laughs> but it's an incredibly good book and totally worth the time. I, I believe it. From outer space, Marshall. Thoughts? When it came out, or when I got exposed to it, I couldn't get behind it. Really? I How think, old were you? Um, when, well, I mean, did you see it when it came out, or did, did it take a while? I think I was like 14. Okay. Or maybe a little younger. I think I was able to watch actual horror movies at the time. So horror comedies were just kind of taking me backwards. Yeah. Like, I was trying to find the real deal. And it wasn't comedy enough to just be a comedy because it was really kind of weird looking. Yeah, especially if you were not 14 and you were like eight and seeing it. Well, I mean, like, at, I didn't see it when age, it came out, but I saw it when I was still probably too young to understand the yeah. nuances and how funny it was supposed to be. I think you probably watched it as a horror movie. I did, 100%. You don't so I was like, here's this scary movie with these messed up looking clown things. So, and then over time you found the humor in it? Yeah. And you know, I recognized a joke here and there for sure. Like I understood that there were certain moments that were supposed to be kind of funny, but the clowns still were just really scary. And by the way, not because they were clowns, but because they were like gross and slobbery and distorted faces and would, yeah. and would wrap me in cotton candy and stick a crazy straw. I mean, suck my blood. Well, your liquefied remains. I, Even I, I, worse. I know, I know. Nobody stores cotton candy like this. At the time, I couldn't pick up on the joy of the movie, of just the look at this, look at what we've done. Right. And, well, and especially because it's like a love song to like the Blob and movies like that, and they, other B horror movie. Yeah, of it's the day. it's one hundred percent like an amalgam of those kinds of things. In, in but uh, with now clowns exactly. To the filmmakers of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, it is very much the same kind of tribute that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Rob Tappert are making to, like, the Three Stooges in Evil Dead 2. Like, these callbacks 
to things that they love. Yeah. It's a love letter. For it's, them, it was totally a product of the stuff that they enjoyed when they were kids. To me, it is a testament to New York television. What made you think those guys were New Yorkers? I'm just kidding. Watch any of the behind-the-scenes stuff on YouTube. These guys are so... They're their wonderful Their accents, accents are just great. And <laughs> I'm living and have lived in a time where, like, you see people who are, like, really into kung fu movies. And it's all just because they grew up in New York with all these New York TV kung fu movies. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Or they really love B-science fiction because they grew up in New York. And I guess W-O-R would just pump them full of these great old movies. Yeah. And it really struck a chord with a lot of very creative people who would take all this information they were receiving and repackage it and then, like, two decades later, give it back to us in something like Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah. When I learned how much a labor of love it was, it made me have an affection for that movie that I never really had beyond kind of nostalgia um, for your own life. Like, I used to watch that movie with my brother and be kind of scared but wanting to prove that I wasn't scared. And it's such a weird thing. And then it's that thing where later in life you go, you saw Killer Clowns I saw Killer Clowns yeah. Oh, my God. Now that I've learned that how much they cared and how they called in favors to their buddies to get the clown costumes made and all of that, it makes me have an affection for this movie I never had as far as an affection for the fact that it wasn't just some dumb movie. This is something people really cared about. And they were, I want to pronounce their name correctly, the Kyoto Brothers. Mm. They're three brothers who each have their own specialty in mostly special effects, but filmmaking. Calling all clowns, calling all clowns. This is JoJo. Are there any space clowns out there? <laughs> you guys, we stop fooling around? Look, Mike, come on. Cocoons. Popcorn guns, monster shadows, ooh. I mean, what do you think we are? Yeah, we're not as stupid as we look. So these are alien clowns. Doesn't really say if they came from a clown planet or if they, like, observed our civilization and decided the best way to go about it would be as clowns. But you know what I like and appreciate? They at least address that. There are it's so true. many there times... There is a scene where, where they do bandy about about four theories and basically tell the audience, pick one. And I love that. Even if it's they just touch it and they move on, I love that they say it. That they say, why would they be clowns? Is it this? Is it this? I don't know. It means that you appreciate that the audience has agreed to suspend their disbelief and just, like, deal with it. And they're like, yeah, we get it. It's kind of weird and dumb. But just yeah. stick with us. We're fine. We'll get through this Somehow, together. Somehow, I would think that a big piece of the puzzle of what the heck they are lies in that the inside of their spacecraft is just as clowned out yeah. as anything else that they do, which, according to their master plan, Earthlings aren't supposed to go into that unless they have been cocooned and they're being liquefied. Yeah. So why keep up a subterfuge within the inner workings right. of this unless it's they just do it 100%. They're clowns all the way. Gold star clowns. Shall I talk about Clown House? Let, let me... Oh, Clown House. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. I uh, think it's important. You seem right, reticent. I'll, I pretty much put out a moratorium on Clown House back when I was working at a video store. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine gave me the breakdown. Yeah. And I was just like, pass. And I've stuck to that. Mm. One time I had to spend a whole weekend covering a script that guy had written, and I just felt icky. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it is a complicated topic. Yeah. Especially since film is a collaborative art. Yeah. Or maybe that's just something I tell myself when I am when I say, okay, yeah, Polanski got popped for the 13-year-old. But Robert Town never did. Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, never did. Jerry Goldsmith, mm-hmm. that, that great haunting trumpet score, isn't guilty of sex crimes. Yeah. So... You know, why throw the baby out with the bathwater? So, but, but the more someone has creative control over something, yeah, the harder it is to ignore all the way up to one of my favorite things. One of the things that shaped me as a storyteller, a verbal storyteller at least, is Bill Cosby himself. The yeah. capital H himself, the routine. Yeah. But I can't really point to any other creative force besides the director. And, you know, that was mostly, you know, it was him sitting on a chair. Yeah. And well, I know they're, they're kind of two sides of the spectrum. So, so the more creative control you have, the more I'm sort of turned off. And yeah. this movie was written and directed by the same guy. Yes, written and directed by Victor Salva. We're talking about Clown House, which came out in 1989. And I, I hear you. For me, Marshall Bill Cosby himself was. I feel like this might have come up on our podcast before, maybe. Yeah, but I cut it out. Yeah, maybe you did. We talked about it, but I think this is important to talk about. Okay. So, you know, this came up a lot when, when the Bill Cosby stuff was hitting really hard. And for me, it was Bill Cosby himself. But for most people, it was uh, the Cosby show that was so effective for them and showing what a good father figure was supposed to be like and a man and a family. And so everyone felt so betrayed and they felt like that experience had been taken away from them. And I read a lot of think pieces at the time that were like, you don't have to give up what that meant to you. You can divorce the man from that. And just to let you know how I came to watch Clown House... I'd seen it show up on a bunch of lists, did not know who wrote and directed it, didn't know any of that. I just saw the title. It was recommended a lot. Separate from that, I had seen show up on my Twitter feed a bunch of stuff about Jeepers Creepers 3 that is in pre-production right now, which is a Victor Salva Mm -hmm. movie. The the original Jeepers Creepers was his movie. And there's been a lot of hullabaloo and a lot of people getting upset. They waited for 3 to get upset? Well, here's why. And I had that question roiling around in my mind, like, how come he's directed eight films in between Clown House, which... Would... Which we haven't said. We haven't said. During which, and correct me if I got the facts wrong, he molested one of the, the star. actors, the star. 12-year-old boy. Served jail time for it. He filmed these horrible things. Yeah. Yeah. Did his time. Did some of his time. Well, it's not he... like he escaped. No, but he was paroled. He was sentenced to three years. He did, like, 15 months. Okay. And has gone on to make powder. Yes. So he made, I think, eight films to varying degrees of success between Clown House and Jeepers Creepers 3, which is getting ready to be made. And why the stink now? And it's because Twitter wasn't even invented during the last big film that he made. So now I say Twitter because I think Twitter is the biggest kind of talking platform we have in many ways. And it's the biggest disseminator of information and thought, you know, in in many ways. It's the wildfire of the social media. Yes. So that's why. It's not that there weren't complaints. So I, I was reading that the star, Nathan Forrest Winters, was the kid, 
Uh, when he when Powder came out, he was 20, and he stood outside theaters and handed out papers saying, please don't give your money to this film. It's going to line the pockets of a pedophile. You know, he, he was really adamant about trying to prevent this man from being successful, and it didn't really work. Powder made a good amount of money. and So from pamphlets now to Twitter. And it sparked a lot of what I think pretty interesting conversation about this kind of thing. A lot of times people reference Polanski. And I, what made me decide to go ahead and watch this movie, Clown House, is because, number one, I was watching it on YouTube. He's not getting any of my money. And secondly, I love Rosemary's Baby. It's one of my favorite movies. I have my own very strong feelings about Roman Polanski and his personal life, but I haven't let that ruin Rosemary's Baby for me. So I said, you know what? I'm curious. Let's see Clown House. And I watched it and it's really good. I enjoyed it a lot. It's very well directed. There's a lot of stuff that I'm not sure if it would have stuck out to me particularly if I didn't know the pedophile stuff. Like if you, a, if you weren't looking for signs. Yeah, like a naked boy's butt and a lot of boy bantering about just sexual stuff. Now, with that said, I also think that this movie has a lot, ironically, to say about masculinity and boyhood and some really important things, I think, in some ways. The story follows a... It's three brothers, and the youngest brother is, like, deathly afraid of clowns. They went to the circus that came to town last year. He was really scared. His oldest brother, played by Sam Rockwell, teases him incessantly about it. He's terrible to him. Makes fun of him for wetting the bed. Makes fun of him for being scared of clowns. Antagonizes him when he's in the middle of being scared. Like, he's just terrible to him. But they decide to go to the circus this year and uh despite his fears he's like i'm gonna be tough i can do it and then they go and they're in the big top the small big top i mean Mm -hmm. it's a traveling circus and there are clowns that come out to perform and there's one clown that singles him out and tries to pull him on stage and he's terrified and runs out of the tent he didn't conquer his fear he's just totally scared anyway mom and dad are out of town they go back to their empty house there are escaped mental patients and they go to the clown tent. They kill the clowns. They get dressed up in clown costumes and do their makeup. And they're really good at it somehow. And they look like clowns. And they go to the house that the little boys are in. And along the way, there's other stuff that happens. They kill other people. But they wind up at the kid's house. And ultimately, the little kid who's so afraid of clowns kind of has to face his fears and defeat the clowns. And what's interesting is the movie ends with, like, a quote on screen about fear. Like, how you can't run from fear because it's inside of you. Mm. You have to face it. And in many ways, this movie's, like, a really great story about a kid having to... You know, there's literally a part where his middle brother, who's nice to him, not the mean older brother, the middle brother's like, we have to get out of here. Let's run. And the little kid decides not to run. But to face his fears. He's going to face his fears. And it's so ironic to me that while this guy's directing a movie about a kid empowering himself to sort of decide to stop running and just, like, deal with this problem of his, he's, like, doing a thing that is going to strip a person of their life in many ways for years and years. He's victimizing someone. And that he's capable of simultaneously telling such a story about empowerment and, and facing your fears and then creating doing such a horrible thing to a human and victimizing them in a way that's going to affect them for the rest of their lives. It's just nutty to me. But bringing it back to what we talked about with clowns and the darkness hiding behind them, mm-hmm. this is a movie that has some really dark, personal, real-life undertones. Really dark. 
but I think, I, I mean, the, I, you know, it's it's weird because I again I like I was reading a lot of think pieces about this, and a lot of people were saying, like you said, well, he served his time. It doesn't seem as though he's victimized anyone else. Uh, no one else has come forward. I don't think, and it seems as though in the intervening years he is not committed another such crime we hold pedophilia like below murder in this culture like it's worse to be yeah, well, if a he child had molester killed somebody or was still in jail i think people including myself would be more accepting of this movie mm. but since he's out walking around and living a free man's life as much as you can when everyone knows your business to then be the participant as much as you can be when you're the viewer of the film. That's the you know that's your job yeah. in the art form as participant or consumer. It's just a turnoff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of movies out there where no one was victimized in the cast. Yeah. That I'm forewarned about, and I just think I'll just watch them first, mm-hmm. and then when I run out of those, I'll check out Clownhouse. I will say Sam Rockwell. Yeah, yeah, he's already he's super duper Sam Rockwell in this movie. He's oh, like he clear he just pops on screen. He's really great. And there's a comedian that was on one segment of an MTV comedy uh, stand-up show, the MTV's Half Hour Comedy Hour. Uh, he would do comedy under the name Tree. And is that why it said Tree as Cheezo? Oh, oh, he's credited as Tree. He's credited as Tree because I saw in the opening credits, I was like. Tree as Cheezo. So I, this guy must have been a clown in his own right. That's what my assumption was. I didn't really look into oh, it. I was too busy looking up stuff about He, he wasn't a clown. He was this like big, bald, like leather jacket stand-up comedian who he, all of his delivery would be like this. Uh-huh. And I watched him with Cavallini like once, mm-hmm. and then we quoted him for months. Really? Yeah. And Well, all the guys who played clowns, both the innocent circus clowns who got killed later mm-hmm. and the evil people who made themselves into clowns to be on the uh, hiding they were all very good and, and one of one of the clowns even seemed to be French, which i was like oh cool history kind of yeah, french clown yeah so clown house you can watch it for free yeah and it seems <laughs> that's the only uh morally acceptable way to do it yeah all right i think so Right, kids, now it's time for Funny Bones. Are you serious? Sir, hello, Funny Bones. Hello, Funny Bones. Goodbye, Funny Bones. <laughs> nice one. You are so right, nice. here it is, juggling. <laughs> I went to the video store. I was with Sumo Dan. It was the first day of spring, and for Philadelphians, that means... Free water ice from Rita's. Really? Even out here in California, they keep that up. And then we walked across the street to Odyssey Video and just started looking for clown movies. I found two. One was the remake of Carnival of Souls. Which I heard isn't all that similar to the original, or is Not that wrong? Ter- you can find the parallels. The original's 60s, 62. Yeah, stick to the original. But the remake had as its bad guy slash clown... Comedian Larry Miller. I'm telling you, he's good. I love Larry Miller. And as a bad guy? Interesting. Mm -hmm. And the other was a movie called Stitches, whose cover really doesn't do it any favors. Absolutely not. I had seen that cover many times and gone right past it on purpose and gone, that's not my type of movie. 
right? Turns out it's I was really wrong. A picture of a clown, and it's not. I mean, it's a detailed photo, but it's the kind of photo that kind of cheap movies use. Yeah. You know, it's wherever the money went, it didn't go into its packaging. Right. So I brought these both home, but I only had time to watch one. So while I like Larry Miller, I'll watch this, and then I returned them both. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, so long, Stitches. Nice not knowing you. (laughs) And then I got the text from you. Yeah. And it was like, have you seen Stitches? I was like, no. You must, all caps. I did say that, and I was only maybe 30 minutes in the movie when I texted you that. That's how good it already was. And I was like, Marshall has to see this. So I was like, I got to go back and get Stitches. Yeah. So I did, watched it, and I can see why you were so excited. Yeah. Everybody happy? (laughs) This is an Irish movie. It is an Irish movie. It starts with a, a clown, not a very good one going to a, a kid's party and as bad as the clown is the kids are terrible oh, he's like i'm gonna pull a rabbit out of the hat and the kid's pouring his drink into the hat like the kids are just doing all manner of terrible things yeah except really i guess for the kid whose birthday party kid. it is he's not really participating he's not stopping it either one kid ties his big clown shoe shoelaces together yeah and he trips and falls on a knife that's in an open dishwasher it's incredible bleeds buckets onto the child whose birthday it is yeah and then dies yeah it six, really six years later death. now the kid is somewhere in his high school experience yeah haunted by images of clowns yeah all the other kids at the party seemed to have gotten over it, but they didn't get, a, like, a bloodbath <laughs> no. on their face at their birthday. They're not living in that same house. Can't sleep. Clown will eat me. And he's fallen out of touch with these kids. A few of them. Well, he's still in... It's not a big town. Yeah. It's not a big class. But it, he's not close to oh, them, really. Oh, but in, in between the two, while he's still a kid, he doesn't know if it was a dream, if it was real. Turns out it was real. Oh, yeah. This is an interesting piece of lore There's they've written into this movie. a clown ceremony... Which includes something that is real. Clowns making egg versions of themselves. That's real? It's really real. No. And I just assumed it was like a totally made up device for the movie. It's not as old as you think it is. Because in this, it seems to have this ancient connotations. Uh, when in real life, it started... Hold on a second. Lost my mind, by the way, when I found out it was real. I am losing my mind right now. I had no idea. Tradition began in the UK around 1946. Wow. A member of their clown organization named Stan Bolt started recording clown images on chicken eggs with the insides blown out. Started as a hobby, but it grew and then caught on. And the collection itself has become curated. Uh, many were damaged over the years, and so now they but take better care of But this is one artist them. painting clowns, not you have to have an avatar clown that looks like the clown you portray. Is well, that right? Well, as it gained popularity, it became more and more common among clowns. Okay. Plus, there's this written or unwritten, I don't know where you would write such a thing down, rule among clowns to not copy another clown's signature style. Okay. And one way of recording that signature style can be on an egg. That's so charming. About 20 years ago, the clown egg tradition made its way to the United States. The collection now includes over 600 eggs, covering clowns of all types from all around the world. Wow. And what you're describing, this clown ceremony... 
Yeah, is that now, the kid the wakes up, it. we think, he's either waking up in the middle of the night or having a dream where he goes to the graveyard that is sadly very near his house. Can you imagine someone dying a horrible death in your home and then being married, uh, married, being buried within close enough distance where you can look through like a telescope out your window and see where they're buried? Anyway, terrifying mm. for a child. So, but he goes to the graveyard, goes inside like the mausoleum, the crypt where the clown is being buried and there's a bunch of clowns. All doing doing a, ceremony like a ceremony for the dead clown and placing his like egg avatar on a shelf with a bunch of other ones. Yeah. And the kid's like, Ugh. after which he gets a warning. No, they're not doing anything besides mourning him, mm-hmm. but they do let him know that like any clown who doesn't finish a party can come back <laughs> basically. It's genius. And then he gets the line. This is from like, like one of the kind of scary clowns, but they're all clowns at night, which kind of makes them scary. Mm-hmm. Just, by being around at night. A joke told the second time, is it as funny? <laughs> and This that movie really, has such a great sense of humor. Yeah, that tells you all you need to know when later he's holding a, a party, really just so he won't be alone for the weekend because he's kind of scared to be home alone. Yeah, as a teenager. Yeah, he tries he's to... Jumping back to the present. Pre- yeah. Present day. His friend, in typical teenage party fashion... Oh, he just wants to have a few friends over, but they're like, are you kidding? Someone's like, who said party? James! Nobody said party. Oh, well, you're having a party? I know your address. I'll tell everyone. Wait, 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 don't. And then suddenly. It's a rager. Huge party. Thank you, honey. This is a beautiful party. You invited all my friends. Good thinking. Stitches, the clown, that's the clown's name, Stitches, comes back from the dead and crashes the party. He does. And kills just the kids from the original party. In the manner... In, in a manner recalling whatever snotty thing they did to him. So the kid who popped his uh, balloon animal now gets his intestines pulled out and made into a balloon animal. Yeah. Just for example. Your lower intestines! So over the top. Outrageously over the top. Yeah. One guy gets his brain scooped out like ice cream. And the puns, there are delightful puns. Visual puns and actual. Visual and spoken puns. Verbal puns. puns. Yeah. And it all plays really well. I mean, sometimes that stuff is just dumb and it comes off. I mean, it's just it's just that thing that's just the perfect storm where it's the actors are doing a great job, it's well written, the effects are fun, that makes it just I think it gels so well. I mean, to me, this is rewatchable. I would show this to someone. Were those clowns? Holy shit! Clown attack! Clown attack? Yeah. Something we we surprisingly haven't talked much about is clown kills. Mm. In these horror films, the handful we've mentioned so far, clowns killing in a way that only clowns can kill. I'd say the majority belongs to killer clowns from outer space. In Stitches, you've got his prop umbrella really does a job on that one girl. Balloon animal intestines, I mentioned. The ice cream thing, I guess you... The ice cream brains... Sure, sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In It, he more uses being a clown to lure and to menace. Mm -hmm. He never never really kills anybody with clowning. He's not like the Joker, who we haven't mentioned, the Joker, who's like, smell my flower, and then it's acid. Yeah. Or shake hands with my joy buzzer. Oops. 20,000 volts. Right. It doesn't get into any of that, though the killer clowns from outer space, that's almost all they do. You get, like, the funny fighting clown. And I think this clowning book from the 70s that I got out of the library that we were looking at. Yeah. There's a whole section on 
a clown fight. Here we go. The boxing gag. Oh, how funny. Part of slapstick. The old boxing gag. Oh, and he actually knocks his block off. Yeah. He Literally punches his head off. Provided your head is your block. Yes. Right. He punches a guy's head right off. Yeah. The girl is like stuck in the house with the like killer snake clowns kind of things. Mm-hmm. And she goes to the window and there's the clowns outside with the old fireman gag. You yeah. Know, it's like, jump, I love that. Jump into this. That's great. They send out killer popcorn. They wrap you up in killer cotton candy. The, and the little puppets, they're like a Punch and Judy. Yeah. But I think that's more like you were saying with the it bit where they're like he's using them to lure the guy over yeah. so he does a little puppet show for him and the human guy is like watch. oh <laughs> cool and then one of the clowns like vaporizes the other one with a gun like a ray and then the guy's like oh <laughs> he's still laughing and then the big clown comes up from behind and turns the gun on the human and he's not laughing anymore one lemon meringue pie one lemon meringue pie coming up pick up pie roger your pie the old pie in the face. The old pie in the face. I have never gotten a pie in the face. Me neither. That's a goal. Yeah. Doesn't have to be like a full-on pie. It can just be whipped cream in a pan. But I've neither given nor received. I guess it's really at the end of the day a waste of a pie. But in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the guy gets covered in the cream pies and... It seems there's more there than just pie because he kind of starts to melt as a result. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah. Why did you hit me in the face with a coconut custard pie with whipped cream? In Clown House, anybody die via Um, clowning? Or are they just clowns who kill in a more traditional manner? They're clowns who kill in a fairly traditional manner, but these are escaped mental patients. And lacking clown training, lacking clown training, but great at being clowns. And I think that's just like a movie thing. We just let, let it go just accept because like I said, they're, they're, they, they're great at putting on these, this makeup, like the makeup and hair is perfect. And they're really mischievous and like, they seem to take pleasure in hiding and scaring people. And also there are moments where like one of the characters is walking by a window and the clown will walk by at the same time so the person might think it's their reflection and then mm, look the and go, old where did mirror they go? gag. Yeah, so like there are moments where the clowns are kind of lurking and poking their heads out and poking their heads down and maybe it's just that these crazy guys who are criminally insane delight in being clowns. They're like, we could just kill these people but let's have fun first because yeah, they're crazy. But no, it's like they mostly are just trying to strangle you. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. You ever been to the circus? Well, when I was a kid. Did you like it? Uh, well, you know, it was fun. I was kind of scared of the clowns. Are you still scared of clowns? Yeah. And finally, how do you kill a killer clown? Well, in it, you have to believe. Mm. Because you have to believe in it for it to hurt you in the first place. So... You have to believe that you can hurt it mm-hmm. in order to hurt This is it. battery acid, you slime. And they just have to decide that silver can kill it. Yeah. Based on the wolfman, basically. Mm-hmm. In Killer Clowns from Outer Space, if you get them in the nose, if you knock the nose off or you destroy their nose. They'll get surrounded by sparkly hologram stuff and then burst. I can't help but wonder that if in some unspoken lore, that's their true form. And, sure. You know, and then they died that they're really just a bunch of green crystals. Why not? Wandering the galaxy. Why not? Taking different forms. And as soon as I say something like that, I know I'm overthinking it. Yeah. That's why we're here, though. Yeah. 
And then, well, clown house, I assume they're just folks you, were, you said. They're just Good humans. Head. Yeah, or an axe to the back that happens too. Okay. Yeah. I'll dispatch any clown. And stitches. How do you kill an undead clown? Remember mm. those eggs we were talking about? Our hero gets a theory, and it turns out the theory is pretty right if you destroy the egg. He doesn't just, like, go, oh, egg, and then drop dead. Instead, he starts to explode, and he's full of yolk. Seems that, like, once you scratch the surface, he's actually made of egg. Yeah. And somehow this makes sense in the movie, and if you've followed it this far, you totally buy it. Absolutely. Yeah. I laughed out loud a lot at Stitches. It was a great movie. I can't recommend it enough. I'm so annoyed that I haven't seen it before now. Isn't it rich? Are we a pair? Me here at last on the ground, you. Okay, cat, clowns. Did you ever think we would talk so long about clowns? I did, which is why I knew we'd need a whole episode. That's true. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for sticking with us. If you are terrified of clowns, good job. Yeah. If it's been a while or if you've never seen It, the miniseries, there's talk about making a, a new It movie, but it doesn't really seem to be happening anytime, anytime soon. I believe it's definitely a go, oh, it's but a go? I just think it will take a couple years to come out. Between yeah. now and then, Stephen King's It, the miniseries, the two-parter, is available on home video. So check it out, won't you? And the book seems like so huge that even at, what is it, like four hours, maybe, and then they take commercials out, the miniseries can just seem like a giant ad for the book. <laughs> You know, um, just giving you the broad strokes to interest you in taking on that giant undertaking that is Stephen King's It. Yeah, but totally worth it. I'll say it again. All right. It's a good book. And one of these days. <laughs> Clown House. Part of me thinks if, if you were going to see it, you would have by now. It, it seems to be the kind of thing that finds the people that would be into it. Yeah. But if you're ever wondering uh, what went on in it. As I do wonder, just never saw it. Uh, thanks, Kat, for filling me in. Um, certainly uh, sounds like an effective horror movie and is good at what it does. Definitely. Somewhat marred by its own uh, behind-the-scenes... Horror. Uh, horror. <laughs> yeah, let's face it. And then, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I think whenever it's on Comedy Central, we all stop what we're doing and just, you know, start watching it and be like, oh, yeah, this part. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, this part. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this part. <laughs> And then two hours have gone by. Right. And Stitches. You saw it on, I assume, Netflix? Hulu, I Hulu. think. Hulu. Yeah, I think it was on Hulu. So accessible. Yeah. 
while you had to go all the way to Odyssey Video. Well, would you watch on Hulu Plus or? Yeah. Still, fairly accessible. Yeah, I literally pressed buttons and then went, ah, okay, movie time. Well, two people on opposite sides of Los Angeles have managed to, to find this movie. Uh, without much hassle, so I think you can too. And if you'd like to save it for Halloween time, I think it's good enough to fit into a Halloween movie-watching schedule, even though it's not particularly Halloween-themed. And let's be clear, horror comedy. It's yeah, a horror comedy. Sure, yeah, it's a dark horror comedy. So, But effective in the gore and some scary moments, mostly dark, darkly funny. Darkly funny? 100% you entertaining. You want to double up something with Fido or... Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. I guess we can add this to that short list of effective horror comedies. Absolutely. So um, next Halloween time, you're getting together with the friends. What we do in the shadows, feature one. And for those who can hang out later, Stitches. Yeah. Have a cocktail, watch Stitches. And I think a nice takeaway from this would be that there's a lot of non-serial killing clowns out there who go through great personal effort to be clowns. It's not easy. Yeah. And probably doesn't pay that great, Hmm. I'd say. But it's an art form. It's an art form. It's a labor of love. Next time you see a clown at a party or something, kids party, I assume, or wherever it is you encounter clowns in this day and age, give them your time, give them some applause or laughter or whatever it is they're they're trying to uh, And in defense of clowns, I should mention, I did come across a couple of studies that were done fairly recently that Uh showed that... Therapeutic clowns in hospitals were actually able to reduce pre-op stress in kids. So they're... The whole Patch Adams approach? Absolutely. So it's not that kids are inherently necessarily scared of clowns. Some certainly might be because they've got paint and they can't really tell... They look human, but uh, something makes them a little off. There are plenty of kids who are actually really... It makes them feel good and happy and de-stress them before they had to go through, through something stressful. So... If your kid tells you he wants to go to clown college, one, you should have seen it coming. These things don't come out of nowhere. <laughs> Two, they're out there doing the Lord's work. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thanks, everybody. If you want to get in touch with us, tell us a little something about clowns. Tell us a little something about anything. You can reach us at boysandghouls at gmail.com, or you can uh, drop us a line on Facebook. And as long as you're uh, cruising the internet, cruise on over to our Tumblr page. Or our Pinterest page. Kat's got our Instagram page, Humming Right Along. Yep. We're uh, on Twitter. Tw- for Pete's sakes, people. Twitter. Yeah. Doesn't cost you a thing <laughs> to go over and give us a like. And if you're new to us, this is episode 49. 48 other just as good episodes to be listened to. None of which are about clowns. No, but one is about circuses and carnivals. And one's about vampire brothels. That was our second one ever. Yeah. So if you like vampire hookers, we got you covered. We're getting close to having something for everyone. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, beware the moon. I surround the mushrooms with Viennese stuffed eggs for a lovely hors d'oeuvre course. The stuffed eggs are simplicity themselves to prepare. First, we hard-boil six eggs. Now, split the eggs lengthwise and remove the yolks. I then mash the yolks with two tablespoons of mayonnaise. When this is smooth, I mix in four tablespoons of finely chopped cooked ham. 
one tablespoon of minced gherkins and one teaspoon of salt. I then mound the filling into the whites and garnish them with paprika and little diamonds of ham. I like to serve a medium white wine with these. A Chenin Blanc is lovely, or a Fumé Blanc. This dish spells hospitality. Hospitality.